Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Pants Party Podcast. I am Ben Ross, co-managing editor of Blackheart Gold Pants. Joining me on the other line is Max Brecky, my co-manager on the site. Max, how are we doing? Not too bad. It's, it's just another day in the life. Yeah, I heard that. You know, just living the dream, living as well as we can, coming off an Iowa win. Some, a bit of a nail-biter wouldn't you say, uh, not as running away with victory as much as we would like, but a win is a win, and I think you can agree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, the first half was just kind of wonky. Nobody ever really got into a groove, I feel like, mm-hmm. and so I don't, I'm not saying that it's you know the greatest barometer of anybody's success. Maybe North Texas is a much worse team or a much better team. Maybe Iowa is much worse or much better, but I just don't think anybody was able to really get into any sort of groove. Yeah, certainly the officiating of that game didn't help either team in getting to in a groove. And it's Iowa, I think, also shot itself in the foot, so we don't want to blame too much on the officials. But all in all, it made for a saucer full of errors for the game, and it just was not fun to watch as a fan on TV. I can't imagine how it was to watch as a fan in Kinnick Stadium in the sweltering heat there. I, had the, I watched the game from the comfort of my own couch, and... Even then, it wasn't that comfortable to watch. But here we are, 3-0, much better than any other sort of outcome we can ask for. And now we can just sort of look on to Penn State. But first, let's quickly recap what happened against North Texas. I, I mentioned those penalties a little bit earlier. I'd rather not get into them. But first, let's start with what we did like, what we saw. I think we really enjoy what we saw to Nate Stanley continuing to be a total game manager for this team he ended the day uh 16 at 27 for two touchdowns and no interceptions just under 200 yards passing at 197 and a completion percentage of 60 percent i think right now he's perhaps the catalyst for the offense uh the offense of this iowa team as much as we like to harp on the qualities of Akram Wadley and now James Butler is gone I think really Nathan Stanley has impressed just about everybody and done more than I think we could have expected out of a first-year starter a quarterback um, Max what are you seeing out of Nate Stanley that shows you any sort of promise for the future of this team I just don't think he's afraid to make any of the throws he's made some really tough throws he's on third down especially you know he always throws a bullet right on the numbers and he generally doesn't miss which is always a good sign, you know, like there's a bunch of people that could throw the ball hard, but, you know, accuracy is something you can't teach, and he's generally pretty accurate with the short routes and with the short passes. Not so much the deep ball so far, but we can get into that, you know, maybe later or another day. Yeah, I think there are only two deep balls I remember, one to uh, Matt Vandenberg and one to uh, Noah Fant. It was Fant. Yeah, Noah Fant, yeah. that, and I think it was on the same drive even, right? Yeah, they were a couple plays apart. Yeah. And, you know, he still overthrew them, but they seemed a lot closer than the overthrows we were seeing at Iowa State, if you ask me. And I think that just shows us he's getting there. 
and progression is coming for uh, this uh, this uh, youngster out of Wisconsin. He's going to hit one of those deep balls eventually, hopefully this upcoming week, because Iowa's going to need the big plays in order to beat Penn State. But he's going to hit one of those eventually, and he's going to be able to figure out, you know, not deep balls are the hardest ones to hit people on, so I'm not expecting a huge accuracy, you know, percentage, but he'll he'll hit, he'll hit them eventually. It's just a matter of figuring out Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially now, uh, Stanley's gonna have to be on his sort of better game now that we have James Butler out, uh, at least for the bye. I believe that's October 14th. Uh, Iowa had 238 rushing yards against North Texas with 59 attempts, their most of the year by far. They had 41 attempts in both the Iowa State and Wyoming games, but really, I don't know if that's something they can get away with going against Penn State. I don't know if. Uh, 59 rushing yards is sort of going to, or 59 rushing attempts rather, is a recipe for success against what will um, definitely be far and away the best defense this team has seen all year. And with its uh, second second string running back out, sort of leaning towards, I think we're going to have to rely on Stanley more than uh, than we have through the first three games, even though we sort of had to rely on me, especially in the Iowa State game. What what does Butler's injury sort of spell for you? What do you think, Max? How is Iowa going to be able to uh, make the running attack work against uh, this Penn State team come Saturday? Uh, I mean, first off, I kind of really liked the what I did see from uh, what's it? Uh, Torn Young and Ivory Kelly Martin. Yeah, I couldn't think of uh, Kelly Martin's first name. So Young and Kelly Martin, I uh, I liked what I saw out of the two of them. Uh, they're not, they don't have the patience yet. That'll come, you know, when they get more reps in game. But they, they definitely, you know, explode through the hole. They were running hard through the hole, and that's something that I really liked out of them. They weren't hesitant to run the ball, and so I think that's promising. So whoever ends up picking up those second, uh, you know, second string carries, the, you know, whatever it might be, I'm not really worried about that uh, as much as I was. You know, you know when Butler went down, when mm-hmm. Wadley went down, I was like, great, you know, now we got to use our third and fourth string running backs, but they showed pretty good promise, I thought. What did you think about it? You know, I'm glad we can agree on this. I wrote down sort of a bit of a hot take when I was planning out this podcast. I think you called it punt or pass. But Punter, go my hot it, yeah. take for this upcoming game is I think I liked what I saw from Torn Young and Ivory Ke- Kelly Martin more than what I've seen from Butler all year. I know Butler is leading the team in uh, a- yards per touch. He's averaging 4.4 yards every time he gets the ball. He has 36 carries for 160 yards and only one catch on the year, surprisingly. I thought he would have more when I looked that up. But I think Torn Young showed just as much speed and even I think a little bit more power than James Butler has shown this year. And Arby Kelly Martin, I mean, talk about power, but he's got the shiftiness too, almost as much as Akram Wadley has got the the jukes that uh, Wadley is showing. I think that three-headed rushing attack really, really uh, could spell trouble for Penn State. I think that's the most promising thing to me. I know they're going up against North Texas, these two young guys, last week, but they've got fresh legs. They haven't really played much at all this season. And I think it's going to be hyped going into what will be the biggest game of their careers. And it's just really promising for Iowa to be able to get these guys to plug and play. Uh, I mean, Kelly Martin had first 11 carries, I believe, of his career uh, against North Texas for 74 yards and two touchdowns. One of those scores being carried, dragged a couple of defenders in the end zone. I, uh, I'm just really happy with what they've seen. I don't what, what I've seen out of them. 
the uh, only concern is they may not be as good as possibly blockers as that's the most Iowa thing I think I've ever said is uh, we're, we're worried about <laughs> how our backup running backs can block, but that's important, uh, especially for a fresh quarterback and these guys being plugged in and playing. It's not like Akron Wadley was that great of a blocker to begin with anyway, but I uh, Butler has been used as a blocker a lot. I remember this year and that has been instrumental, I think for this offensive passing attack to have the kind of success it's had. But, yeah, uh, you know, the Butler injury really doesn't concern me as much as, you know, Wadley said he's going to be 100% today during uh, the media availability. Um, we did hear Ike Betker is out for the year, and I don't know if you'll ever see uh, see the Canuck Stadium again in a jersey. I don't know how the NCAA is going to roll on his. But, you know, it's going to be up to this offensive line, and I think the, the to help these running backs out. And I think, you know, the running backs are up to the challenge. I don't know if this offensive line really is, though. Yeah, that's not something I think that anybody expected to say about this year, especially in the run game, because last year, that's exa- that's the only thing that, the, you know, they were really capable at. They had a, you know, decent pass protection at best. The run blocking, though, was fantastic. This year, it's been a little bit the opposite. Pass protection has been fine. Run blocking hasn't been all that great. You know, kind of showed again this week, you know, they eventually the Hawkeyes wore down North Texas's defense. They're a much smaller defense than, you know, this offensive, uh, uh, the defensive front there is much smaller than the offensive front here. Yeah, I just don't think that, you know, that, they won't be able to push around Penn State mm-hmm, like they mm-hmm, did mm-hmm. North Texas. And that leads me to something else. Uh, I think another sort of hot take I have for this Penn State game, I think it's going to be a game that's going to, going to be one through the air if Iowa want, wants any chance. I don't see us, like I said earlier, running the ball upwards of 50 times and coming out of the successful. I'm just having flashbacks to our game in Happy Valley last year where I think we had something like 40 rushing yards or before Ekram Wadley broke one off towards the end of the game, I remember. But I, if Nathan Stanley can com, uh, connect on those deep balls and we can sort of – I think this is a team that really for the first time – that since I've been an Iowa fan where we've been using the pass to open up the run and not vice versa. And I think we have, it's, we've proven we've had, we've had some playmakers uh, that can catch some balls and, you know, we've, we know what Matt Vandenberg is. I think he's still a little bit hobbled from last year, but I think he's still more than capable to go out there and make a couple of plays. We've absolutely loved what we've seen from Nicky easily. And I can't say enough about Noel Fant and what he's meant to this offense. Um, he's just a security blanket for this young quarterback and he's an absolute matchup nightmare for opposing teams Uh, linebackers are too slow to cover them and safeties are too small and I'm just thinking Noah Fant and the rest of this receiving core can hopefully uh, play their game and get open and keep this close I don't think he would ever say you know I was gonna be able to outshoot or outscore uh, a team like Penn State that's averaging over 50 a game I believe trying to you know it's through pretty weak competition but uh you know out there in the heat under the lights if this game was being played in november i'd say uh with snow on the ground or with sleet i'd say iowa's got to pound the rock but iowa i don't want to say they get want to get a track meet because that just sounds ignorant going against a, a going against a team that has trace mcsorley and saquon uh saquon barkley yeah. but i think as close to that while iowa can still get close to 200 rushing yards in the game is Really, our only recipe, for, basically, we're, I'm just asking for all types of cylinders and nothing to uh, go go wrong for us, which probably won't happen. But Iowa really is going to have to play a perfect game, I think, to have a chance against Penn State. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Getting back to 
the North Texas game, though. How do you are you a little bit concerned about our defense moving forward from what you saw in that game? Uh, I really am concerned. This uh, not getting any type of push at all from this uh, front four. The, our defensive line is really concerning, especially when they were being touted as the you know the best at since Phil Parker has been the defensive coordinator here. But um, I don't think we blitzed. Did we blitz once against North Texas? I don't recall us ever doing so. Um, I, I know that I know that at least a couple of times we blitzed because I remember specifically somebody. I remember seeing somebody ask if we had blitzed at all, and then about two minutes later, seeing uh, Ben Neiman okay. run, uh, running it. But I know so I know mm-hmm. that we did blitz, but I know that we, if we when we did, we didn't get a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, and I really don't like this line of thinking where people are saying, "Oh, we're hiding part of the playbook. We've been hiding it for the past three games." But I mean, we're, do you think we were hiding the playbook in a game where we went to overtime against Iowa State? Do you think we were hiding the playbook in a game where we trailed at half against North Texas? I mean, uh, I want to think that our coaching staff was sort of arrogant enough to know that we'll come out with a win in those games and keep half of our, you know, plays hidden, but I just don't, I don't think that's just the right line of thinking there. So I am concerned. Um, There's been some concerns, you know, that Josie Jewell isn't hundred percent and Bo Bauer and Ben Neiman aren't up there. Their speed isn't up to snuff and people want to see more of Aaron Madden's too. But I think the Steve, there's no reason why this defensive line shouldn't be getting a a better push. I'm surprised we've seen so uh, such little time from AJ Epinesa, but, uh, he's getting more snaps each each and every game, and when he does get on the field, it feels like we're able to get really good pressure. I do know, you know, Matt Nelson came out uh, last was it Anthony Nelson came out of last week's game injured, but I, I he wasn't on the injury report this week, so we have to think he'll play, and that's a big help. Been really impressive with Parker Hesse. He's done a lot of really good things uh, for this defensive line, and I don't know. I guess we just sort of have to trust that this team will play up to its competition this week. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's actually kind of funny that, you know, you brought up Parker Hesse is the mm-hmm. one that's, you know, doing probably the best out of all of these guys because a little sneak preview to the end of the week, but one of the guys at Black Shoe Diaries, the SB Nation uh, Penn State blog, he uh, in the Q&A questions he sent me, he specifically brought up Parker Hesse as, like, the lineman having a breakout year for Iowa. And, you know, it was just, it's just interesting when you think of this defense. It's Jewel, you think of the mm-hmm. linebackers, and, you know, you think of, you know, A.J. Epinesa and whatever, and he singled out. The fact that he singled out Parker Hesse is a little yeah, bit a little concerning. Bit. Not that he's not, having a, not that he's not having a good season. He's definitely, you know, playing pretty well so far. But the fact that you can single out him and him only as, you know, the big contributor on this defense, that's not what a lot of Iowa fans would have thought you were saying at the beginning of the year. No, I think we're all pretty surprised that an undersized defensive end is probably, if the season were to end today, he'd, he'd be in the running for defensive MVP. It'd probably be between him and Josh Jackson through three games. But yeah, at 6'3", he's not a very big defensive end at all. I mean, both the Nelsons are over 6'6", and Epinesa is 6'5", or 6'4", I think. And he's just been playing really, really well. He's been coming to play whenever we need him on, on third downs, and He's been able to create a couple of turnovers. I mean, basically almost single-handedly won or put Iowa in a position to win the Iowa State game. So I've seen a lot to like out of him. I'm concerned from the interior defensive line. I feel like we've never heard uh, Nathan Budgeta's name really called at all this year, and I thought he was going to be a really big uh, key component to plugging up the middle. And, um, yeah, if if Penn State can sort of gash the middle with Saquon Barkley and 
have their line have their linemen get to the second level to uh, even as good as our linebackers are there's really they really don't have a chance against the interior line for Penn State and Saquon Barkley so that is uh, obviously concerning but it, like I said we just have to trust the process and hope this team will be ready to play yeah I'm I'm a little bit more actually just uh worried about the defensive backs than I am the front of the uh defense like you know we're get we're stopping teams from running. I mean, besides uh, the game where uh, the Iowa State game where Montgomery kind of ran through the linebackers. You know, North Texas they don't run the ball a lot, but when they tried to run against Iowa, they didn't get very far. Wyoming didn't do a whole lot on the ground, but the fact that Montgomery gashed the Iowa defense, you know, that's a little bit concerning for the front seven. But the defensive backs they've been getting burned for big plays. They've been letting guys behind them. Uh, you know, behind Josh Jackson, uh, I haven't been overly impressed mm-hmm. with Rugamba. Uh, I haven't heard his name a whole like mentioned a whole lot. So, but I don't know that I know Hankins got burned for a big one, and you know he's just a true freshman. He'll get better with time, hopefully. But uh, he's just a true freshman. The safety play has not been great, even prompting Kirk to make a move on the depth chart, mm-hmm. uh, moving Amani Hooker. To say uh, the starting safety position after he replaced uh, Gervas mm-hmm. in the last game, but I'm a little bit concerned about the guys in the back of the defense just because Penn State they can throw. McSorley has a cannon for an arm, and he, you know he will be able to throw the ball over these safeties if they misplay mm-hmm. the ball. Yeah, McSorley probably has one of the best arms in the country, and he's got the weapons to boot. Yeah, like you said, I haven't been impressed with Rogrumba. I know him and OJ Moody even have been, you know, switching in and out rather when we thought it would just be Rogrumba and uh, he'd kind of be locking down the right side of the field with Jackson on the other side. But Jackson's been a bright spot. He has gotten burned a couple of times, but I like a lot more than what I don't like from what I've seen out of his game. Like you said, the safeties are really, really a cause for concern. Uh, safety play has been so important for Iowa in its, its 4-3 base defense and uh, normally have some really talented safeties to help cover up mistakes uh, from the linebackers, but this year we just really don't have it. I'm very optimistic about Imani Hooker. I think he certainly has much more big playability than uh, Javaz did. They even, over, they even moved Javaz to be... Uh, God, who's the other safety? Um He's he's strong safety now, isn't he? Or he's he free safety? He's free safety now. Yeah, yeah. He he's backing up uh, right. Miles Taylor now on the other side, and uh, so we have to again trust that this is a better combination um, in safeties. But again, a short week, only one week to practice with this first team defense uh, for for Hooker. It's there's going to be some learning curves and. He's going to, you know, trial by fire against Penn State. But, I, again, we just sort of have to try. I trust Phil Parker a lot. I think he's really – he's kept Iowa – his defense has kept Iowa in games where they, that they really have no business of winning over the past few years. And we have to hope that they they dial up some magic for Penn State. And, the you know, a new a new starting lineup in the backfield, defensive backfield, could be just sort of what uh, this this team needed for sort of a kick in the teeth or a kick in the pants to get fired up and uh, go out and play, you know, its best game of the yeah, year. Yeah, okay. And then I've got one more thing I want to touch on for the last game uh, before we move on from North Texas. Did Iowa punt the ball this past week? Don't know if they did. I'm about to look it up right now. But they went for it an awful lot on fourth down, uh, partially because, you know, they were – 
kind of in no man's land in the middle of the field, especially on their uh, in the opponent in the yeah, opponent's had, uh, territory. We had one punt for forty-seven yards against North Texas. That's uh, I mean that's interesting, but yeah, that is funny. Um, you you brought up the fourth down convert or the fourth down attempts. I actually looked that up. Like Iowa is, um, we're six for seven on fourth down conversions this year, and I feel like, you know, I remember, you know, back in the early two thousands or two thousand tens, rather that, you know, we would have five fourth down attempts all year, yeah. and uh, now you know we've already got seven through through three games and converting six or seven of those, we went four for five uh, against North Texas alone. And I mean, I think that's reassuring. It sounds like this team, the this coaching staff, rather, is embracing analytics and you know numbers a lot more than they were. Sort of like their gut instincts or grit or whatever. Kirk wanted to quantify his reasoning for never going forward on fourth down. But that's uh, one of the more reassuring things I think from this team is its propensity to gamble and roll with dice and give this team a chance to convert and make something happen on fourth down. Like we had a touchdown against, we had a, we had a score against North Texas on fourth down, right? The, the catch yep. for Fant where Drake, some guys in the end zone. That was, that was like fourth and four. And it was still, it was a 25, 30 yard play. So that's something that's really reassuring. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to win us a game or cost us a game uh, down the road on the big 10 play, but so far it's helping us win. So you have to embrace that. Yeah, I will say that I'm a fan of them going for it more often, specifically because I think that almost all of them, except for maybe one, were in plus territory. But I remember a, like a few years ago, even just like Connor Cornbrath coming into the game and we're punting the ball and we're at like the th- opponent's 35. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really great to see, you know, them trying to score rather than just giving the ball away and hoping they pin them inside their five you know on like a 30 yard punt Mm -hmm. but so you know that's something that i noticed and was curious about just kind of moving forward because i don't know how much they trust uh rastetter to punt rastetter Mm -hmm. i mean his average looks good on paper but i know that he's gotten a lot of really good roles this season on punts yeah he looked rough against wyoming and i mean we're gonna need him to help us win games that's just how i would play football um, I mean, Ron Kaluza, you can make the argument, won us the Michigan game last year. Right. And uh, I don't know, I'm just not sure if he's there yet. Uh, this is the most Iowa thing ever to be talking about the punter on the podcast. But I just, you know, I just don't think Kirk totally trusts him yet. And I don't see a reason why he should. Yeah. I mean, his, as I said, his average is good. He's got some great roles. But at the end of the day, if he if he's consistently you know punting the ball less than forty yards in on the fly and not getting great hang time, they might need to try out the true freshman at some point. I'm su- mm-hmm. I'm sure that they don't want to, but mm-hmm. they did give him a scholarship for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and then burning that red shirt on a punter would also be another incredibly Iowa thing to do. <laughs> burning the red shirt in like week ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh. Yeah, so that I think that's enough for the North Texas game. We don't need to get into anything no. else about it. No, no. Uh, but uh, let's see. Do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to do punter go for it, the segment? Yeah. You know, I think I already said a couple of things I wanted to say. You know, I liked, and I think you agreed with me here, we liked what we saw from Tornion and Ivory Kellen Martin more than what we saw from Butler so far this year. 
I'm going to say, yeah, I've, I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of Butler. Butler's first kind of real action was against North Texas. He'd only run the ball in uh, the other games just a handful of times. But uh, I did like what I saw more from Kelly Martin and Young. On the other hand, they were going up against a defensive front that was absolutely manhandled and exhausted in the fourth quarter. So it could also play into that a little bit. But I did like what I saw more from them, more in this game than I had seen from Butler the rest of the season. That is true. I didn't really take into consideration that all of Torn Young's and Kelly Martin's yards basically came in the fourth quarter against uh, an exhausted North Texas defense that was playing in 90-degree heat. But I will say, you know, North Texas, they should be used to playing in that kind of heat, so I don't know how exhausted they really were. And, you know, that, that could, could be a little ignorant of us for discounting. You know, Butler has been playing college football for four years, and both of these guys are yeah. are they redshirt sophomores. Uh, Kelly Barton's a true freshman. Even more so. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, I think Torin Young's also a redshirt freshman, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. He might be a sophomore. Okay. But I'm pretty sure he's a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we shouldn't be too worried about, especially with Akram Wadi there, he'll get the bulk of the carries. We shouldn't be too worried yeah. about the running backs and rather be more worried about this the run blocking of our offensive line in the upcoming game. Really quickly before I get into my, uh, my hot take, uh, do you, who do you think is going to get the bulk of the carries in the next game between these two guys? Do you think it's going to be Young or Kelly Martin? I think it'll be Young because I think Kelly Martin has a lot of the same skill sets that... Wadley has, and Young is a, is a much bigger, much more ground-and-pound type of a guy. So I think they want to make some thunder and lightning. They'll do that with Torn Young over Ivory Kelly Martin. Yeah, I was kind of in the same camp. The only reason I could see Kelly Martin getting a little bit more is because of the fact that I, th- I think he has some of that same bruising ability as Young, although Young is a bigger body. He's look He looks a lot more like uh, LaShawn Daniels mm-hmm. than anybody else that Iowa has on the roster currently. And I know how much Iowa liked Wadley and Daniels last year together. Mm-hmm. And I think, but so uh, I think, my, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think Yon has a little bit more no. speed than Daniels has too. Even he, Daniel, uh, you know, Daniels just ran at people. Yon has one quick first step. He can make one guy miss. And then after that, he just looks to hurt linebackers. Yeah, that's kind of how it looked like his uh, philosophy was in this past game, but he was just running downhill into whatever hole he saw right away. <laughs> All right, uh, my hot take was going to be that Iowa against Penn State keeps Saquon Barkley under 150 all-purpose yards. Mm. One, uh, it's tough. He's all. I mean, he's also a leading. He's a leading rusher and they're a leading receiver. He's got. And he returns uh, punts. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, that's just an impossibility unless he gets hurt. I mean, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is either kick return or two or just punts? Uh, I don't know for certain. I can look it up really quickly. Oh, well, it looks like he hasn't returned a punt this year. Okay, so maybe he's a it's kick, just... He's a kick, yeah, it's just a kick return. He's, he's the only one returned any kicks, uh, averaging 27 yards on each kick return. So... Well, uh, I mean, we're gonna. He's. I don't know. Miguel Racinos has been doing a great job at touchbacks. Yeah, he has. That's one of the reasons why I think that Iowa can do it is because Racinos hasn't allowed very many returns. He allowed two kickoff returns in the last game, and uh, they only went for a total of twenty-five yards. Yeah. So, an average of twelve and a half. Yeah. The only problem I see is just none of our linebackers match up with Barkley. None of as a receiver. None of our safeties. 
We'll match up with Barkley. None of our cor- we have nobody on our team who I really think can sing- can single cover Barkley, and I don't trust. Or I just know we simply can't double cover him the entire game. He's gonna get open. He's gonna he's gonna get his catches. He's gonna get his yards. And if we can keep him over under one fifty, if we can keep him under two hundred, I mean, I think that'd be really good. But one fifty would be um, you know uh, an impossibility. I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's a really necessarily a knock on Iowa's defense either. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody can contain yeah, this dude. Yeah, not at this, all. An absolute monster. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you have another one? No, I said earlier I think the game will be won through the air for Iowa because run blocking is such a concern. And uh, I still kind of hold to that. I I think that the strength of this Penn State defense is their front seven. They do have some good defensive backs, but I like – I would be able to game plan for this uh, this passing defense better than uh, the running defense. One <clears throat> one other sort of hot take I had was I think we're going to see the Raider package on defense for the first time this year. Uh, we I don't think we've seen it at all this year, and that's sort of I was go to uh, defense on third down when there is a scrambling quarterback and McSorley. You know he's got wheels. He's got 137 rushing yards and two scores on the year already um, in just 23 attempts. So he can definitely hurt you with his arm and his feet. And I think I was going to, especially since if we're not seeing the push that we have been seeing from this defensive line, um, that we or rather haven't been seeing uh, from this defensive line all season, I think you know that might be one thing that Phil Parker has been keeping close to the vest through the first few games is the Raider package. It hasn't really been around, and I think – uh, the Penn State game is as good as time as any for this uh, Iowa, you know, what is it, three down linemen and uh, or th- not even three linemen on their knees and uh, a couple of linebackers out there doing some weird stunts. Yeah, I think I don't know if it's necessarily going to come back. I think I'm going to punt on it coming mm-hmm. back, but I, I will say that if it does remake an appearance this season, it will be during this game because this is the game and probably the one against Ohio State, but this particularly is the game where I think that they're going to need it more than ever. Yeah, certainly. I yeah, just this, especially. I think we're gonna be rotating. It's gonna be like a lot, hockey lines out there. I think. Um, I think we're gonna be seeing a lot of you know defensive linemen come in and sub in and out just because of <clears throat> the tempo Penn State plays at, and because the weather could certainly be a factor. Yeah, those are just sort of my hot takes that I I wrote down for this game. All right, uh, well, Jonah had one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, his was a. Uh, that if Iowa wins this game, they're going to need to win in a shootout. Yeah, I, that's... Punt or go for it. I sort of said that earlier. I said that I was going to win this game through the air. I don't know if a shootout is the right term, but I think you know we're going to be much more impressed with Iowa's passing stats than our running stats if we're going to win this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think that in order to win, they're going to need to get the ball going on the ground. Penn State doesn't have a lot of very good linebackers from what I've gathered. Uh, their depth there is not great. So I think that the uh, Iowa running backs will have a really good chance at kind of getting or kind of dispelling them early. They, could, they can get worn down uh, pretty quickly, I'm hoping, in this one. And I think that that will give Iowa a good chance to win. So I'm going to punt on it. I don't necessarily think that... That's the only way Iowa can win is through the air. Penn State has some pretty good defensive backs. Uh, their line is okay for, you know, a top-five team. 
it's not the best. It's not as high, or it's not as great as I think that you would expect it to be. But I think that Iowa's going to attack these linebackers all day. Yeah, I think that's just uh, about the rest, best recipe for success I can have or ask for. Yeah. And then, so we've already been talking about it quite a bit now, but let's, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this Penn State uh, matchup this upcoming weekend. What do you think Iowa's going to be able to do on defense? Do you think that they're going to be able to stop either the pa- run or the pass or the run? Um, I mean, no. I, I, I think if we can get pressure on the quarterback, we can disrupt their passing lanes, but I haven't seen anything from this defensive line to tell me that, one, we can get pressure, and, two, help the linebackers in the running game. I don't want to say that they'll be able to run and throw at will all over us. I think they will be able to do one or the other incredibly effectively. I think, you know, I would be shocked if Barkley ran for 200 yards on the, just ran for 200 yards alone. I wouldn't be shocked if McSorley goes through three or 400 in the air against us. Um, maybe not both, but I think they will find something that works and they will exploit it. And it's going to be up to Iowa's offense to catch up and play catch up. Yeah, one thing I do want to see is uh, a lot of people have been talking about Iowa's past or batted down balls mm-hmm. during you know mm-hmm. uh, training camp. People were saying that they've been working on it a lot, that they were trying to get their hands up and knock some balls down, and it's shown a little bit, especially with a couple of uh, defensive uh, linemen getting a couple of interceptions in the first two games. That was more a product, I think, of good mm-hmm. or right place at the right time, but. But I would like to see that because McSorley is a short quarterback. He's only, what, 5'11", 6'10". I think that stoops my ass on uh, the comments was saying this, actually. I think he's the one that brought it up. I would like to see a lot of that because, you know, that's probably the one way that we're going to be able to stop this passing attack is if we stop the short routes and make them, you know, go deep because that's probably where we're going to be able to have the most success either get they're going to either score and get off the field quickly so Iowa has a chance to mow them down or they're going to have these long sustainable drives with short passes and that's going to really come back to haunt Iowa because then they're going to be running circles yeah, around these linebackers. Yeah I think that sort of comes down to the health of Matt Nelson I mean when you have a defensive lineman or an interior defensive lineman that's six six, you expect them to bat down a lot of balls and I just don't know if that's been there yet and then, like we talked about earlier, Parker Hesse is an undersized defensive lineman at just 6'3", so we're not sure how many balls he's going to be batting down. <clears throat> but we know Budget is a big guy, and we know Epines is a big guy, and the other Anthony Nelson's also around 6'5", or 6'6". So we have, the, you know, we have the bodies there to go and do it, but they're just not being able to get any sort of push uh, on any offensive lines they've seen, and I'm not so sure if they're going to suddenly turn on a switch and be able to uh, manhandle the, the Penn State line. Yeah, one thing I'm concerned about is uh, outside of the linemen, and this kind of includes the linemen as well, is Iowa playing in its base defense the entire game because Penn State has that spread offense that's kind of torn Iowa apart this year. Iowa State showed it, North Texas showed it in the first half. Uh, before they were kind of shut down in the second half. But if we stay in our base defense the entire game, it's kind of there's kind of no question as to what's going to happen. These linebackers aren't going to be able to cover uh, mm-hmm. wide receivers the entirety of the contest, and that could, that could really hurt the Iowa team. But the only problem is that where is the cornerback depth coming from? Yeah, you know, that goes back to what I said about the Raider package, but still they'd only 
you know, run that even three or four plays a game max. And I did not like what I was seeing from our nickel and dime against North Texas. Um, like you said, Matt Hankins got burned uh, and sort of Josh Jackson each um, not super promising. We're, again, I think we just have to really hope that uh, this team can can figure it out in one week. You know, I wish we were playing Penn State a lot uh, later in the year, even just a few more weeks where we could have some more time to figure out how what who exactly this Iowa team is, especially what its identity is on defense. And, yeah, I think Penn State's a little bit lucky to be playing Iowa at the time it is. But, you know, that's how the schedule works, and it's going to be interesting to see what we throw at them. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, it will be nice to see – or not nice. It will be something mm-hmm. to see if this team shows up at night in Kinnick Stadium because last year on the road at night in uh, Happy Valley – they got absolutely manhandled in the next mm-hmm. week they played mm-hmm. against Michigan. And, you know, we all know what happened in that game. But, you know, they seemed completely outclassed last year against the uh, Wolverines. Or not mm-hmm. against Wolverines, against Penn State. And then the very next week they went up against a team that had mm-hmm. destroyed Penn State earlier in the season. And, you know, they kept them to 13 mm-hmm. points the entire game. Yep. So, Max, what are you? What is your final score prediction for this Iowa Penn State matchup? Uh, I don't think that I was going to win it. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with. I'm hoping that they can, you know, keep this one close. If they can keep this close, I think gonna they'll hold them to a minimum mm-hmm. of 31 points. And I'm gonna say it's gonna be 31 to 20. All right, all right, all right. I wrote down 41-31. I think we have a similar line of thinking there, but I also predict Penn State coming out as a winner. I just think their offensive firepower is going to be too great for Iowa's defense to handle. And, you know, the loss of Butler and uh, an, in, uh, an interesting offensive line situation, to say the least, is not going to be enough to, uh, you know, really help Iowa's case in getting any push for run blocking or help uh, keep Nate Stanley clean. So we're both predicting Iowa losses. Not the most positive thing, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, the last, the one time last year where I picked Iowa to lose, I picked them to lose against mm-hmm. Michigan, and hey, there you go. They, yeah, they won. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm onto something here with these uh, loss predictions. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that's how it works, but we can pretend to that voodoo magic. I 100% believe in voodoo magic, so that's fine. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit. And, you know, tell you what, hopefully some of your voodoo magic can help the degenerates here who read the site or who are just on the other line with you right now because right now we're looking at the gambling lines for the Iowa-Penn State game, and Iowa's getting 12.5 points at home. And I just don't remember the last time Iowa was getting that many at home. I think it was only 10 for Michigan. And that was partially because they had gotten destroyed by Penn State the week before. But, you know, I, I think we both predicted Iowa to keep it uh, as 10-point losses. So uh, Yeah, I said 11, but okay. it's, it's yeah. still within the spread. Yeah, so 12 and a half, it sounds like we're both predicting a cover, which is, you know, kind of a win for some people. Uh, we can, how did yeah? How did your betting go last week? Last week wasn't as great as two weeks ago, but we always have Purdue. Um, their Purdue was plus ten against Michigan, also home game. 
probably the first sold-out home game for Purdue, Purdue since Kyle Orton was a quarterback. And Oof. I know, what a name drop right there. But I, uh, I've got faith in the Boilers to not only maybe upset Michigan, but at least cover the plus-10 spread. I want to talk briefly about last week's uh, Iowa game. They were 21-point favorites at home, and Kirk chose to knee the ball when it was uh, when they had a 17-point lead in the final minute within within the red zone. Uh, ended up only winning 17, not covering the 21 points in Kinnick Stadium. That was really tough. We thought Casino Kirk had it in him, but I think. We are who we thought we were with that, and Kirk doesn't really adhere to the boosters and um, probably just knew – I'm sure he knew the spread. He'll lie and say he didn't, but – Oh, man. I was laughing when that happened because I I even tweeted. I was uh, using the Blackheart Gold Pants Twitter account. I tweeted that they were just going to get the ball and they were going to kneel it out. And then the next couple of plays, they ran the ball all the way inside the five, and I was like, oh, man, going to – he's trying to cover that spread. And then he immediately kneeled the ball. Yeah. And I was laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing. Well, I'm glad you found it funny, Max, because some of us um, didn't think it was so funny. But we found it typical and really, I guess, couldn't really be that surprised. No, not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. The fact that that he gave it, that he entertained people was a step in the right direction, at least. Just a little tease from Captain Kirk. Um, well, Max, I think that's all we got. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off here? Uh, go Hawks. All right. On Iowa, go Hawks. And I am Ben Ross signing off for Max Brecky. This was another edition of the Pants Party Podcast. Uh, be, for, be sure to visit blackheartgoldpants.com for all your Iowa Hawkeye needs. And on Iowa and go Hawks. Go Hawks.